Assuming he continues to score like he always has, that attention is just going to continue right being there right on into next season. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. Please follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Slab Stocks, and then click that little subscribe button here on YouTube as well. I'd really appreciate that. I'm going to be joined uh, a little bit later in the show by Summertime Cards. That's at Summertime Cards over on Instagram. He's been one of the guys in the NBA card space that I really enjoy trading DMs with as we talk about you know, different player performances and different player developments. So I wanted to bring him on and have some of that conversation here on camera. I think you guys are really going to enjoy what we have for you. Uh, so with him, we're going to talk Luka. We're going to talk Nuggets, a few other odds and ends as well. But before we get there, a few things to discuss first. Uh, first off, if you're a Sixers fan, you might want to jump ahead a few minutes. But before you do that, I want you to understand a few things about me personally. My family is from Philadelphia. My 10 times great-grandfather moved from Germany to Philadelphia back when Germany was still a part of the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, they were still hanging around in Philadelphia some 75 years later when Ben Franklin and them boys were signing the U.S. Constitution just down the street. Uh, several members of my family fought and died at Gettysburg in the Philadelphia Brigade. I still have lots of family moving there, 10 generations of my family all the way until my dad moved to Milwaukee, so seeing the demise of the Philadelphia 76ers brings me no joy. I'm a Bucks fan, so you might consider me a hater, but deep down in my blood, I'm all about the brotherly love. Uh, that all being said, the Sixers are dead, at least as we've come to know them over the past few years. Not having Ben Simmons available certainly was a big part of the problem for this Sixers teams during these playoffs. Uh, but there's a, a slim chance that the front office will lean on that and run things back next year. You know, but everyone outside of Joel Embiid was basically a ghost the whole series. In 32 minutes per night, Al Horford posted 7 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block. Tobias Harris had exactly one respectable shooting night as he averaged 16 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists while shooting only 38% from the field and 13% from deep. Those two guys are a big part of the overall problem in Philadelphia, both now and moving forward, as they are still owed a combined $217 million. They are two of the three most unmovable contracts in the NBA right now, the only one being more difficult being John Wall with $130 million over the next three years being owed to him. And this big problem rests squarely on the shoulders of the front office in Philadelphia. After Brian Colangelo was dismissed in disgrace as the team's president of basketball operations, his entire front office st still remained in place in Philadelphia. In September 2018, former Sixer Elton Brand was named the new GM, but all the rumors cycling out of that front office suggest that there's really no one person in charge and the power structure as far as the decision making goes is kind of rather suspect. Uh, we've seen the results of that as this team has basically completely remade every single offseason and most recently with a few really questionable contracts which were considered unwise even at the time of their signing, but especially now. We have yet to know if that front office is going to be accepting any of the blame for this past season. But I'm quite certain that the first major piece that's going to be headed out the door is Coach Brett Brown. Uh, while it certainly seems like the players have maybe lost some faith in him, that probably has more to do with him being in Philly for seven years now, which is really quite a long time for an NBA head coach. He's not a perfect head coach by any means, but I think he's still a good head coach. Very pro player, also really well liked generally. He's going to land on his feet somewhere. 
but I'm pretty sure he's going to be scapegoated by the Sixers front office and sent packing. Maybe that's even already happened by the time you're watching this video. That wouldn't be a huge surprise. But more of the blame really just needs to rest on the front office's shoulders. And I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what happens there. If they clean house and they hire a new GM, it wouldn't be a huge surprise if the new guy wants to run this team back and try again. Kind of hard to start your tenure by trading everyone, but I guess we'll wait and see. The most likely scenario in my mind is that at least one major piece is going to be traded this offseason. I don't think they can unload Horford or Harris because of those contracts, and that probably means that Embiid or Simmons is gone. When he had energy, Embiid played well. 30 points, 12 rebounds, a steal and a half, and a block and a half, but he got gassed. He generally looked pretty miserable, and he faded down the stretch. I don't think the Sixers want to trade Simmons, but he is a clutch sports client with Rich Paul. We've seen that crew really establish the player empowerment era of the NBA. So it wouldn't be a huge surprise if Simmons and his camp started trying to uh, orchestrate a trade to get out of Philly. If that doesn't happen, I think the Sixers will at least be trying to find a trade partner for Joel Embiid to land with. I think one trade that could make sense for both sides would be between Sacramento and Philadelphia. We know Buddy Heald had been requesting a trade earlier this season. I could see a Heald and you know maybe Bagley with the 12th overall pick as a match for Embiid's contract. Maybe that could be like an overpay compared to what other teams would be willing to offer. Uh, but I think Ranadive would be you know, excited enough by the trade to maybe accept that. Otherwise, you have to look at the top of the NBA draft and see who has some extra ammo with a high pick. Golden State definitely wants to move the number two overall pick in a deal structured around Wiggins. And the number two could make, I guess, some sense for both sides. Pretty disappointed for Philadelphia, though. I could envision Chicago with the fourth pick wanting to move that, maybe along with Otto Porter and a young guy for Embiid. Uh, but, you know, I really don't know. I think something probably feels pretty inevitable, though. Thinking about card investments, Embiid's latest, or his last PSA 10 base prism rookie card ended on auction around $320, which is a 20% price drop over the past week. That's to be expected with the first round sweep, but it just gets even murkier from here for him. It feels like Embiid is at this inflection point value-wise, where he could be traded, and depending on where he goes and what the return is, the overall public opinion could just really rapidly start to plummet. And that would hurt the card value as well. I don't think that's fair to Embiid. He's a really special player, and a motivated Joel Embiid is one of the biggest mismatches in basketball, but it's just not happening right now in Philadelphia, and the end seems to be coming soon. I think Simmons is still pretty clearly a special player, and if a new Sixers brain trust can bring in the right pieces around him, this 2020 season could very soon seem like a distant memory. But so much of it is up in the air at this point, I don't think you can be actively buying Simmons unless you just know something that the rest of us don't. But he's a huge risk in my opinion, though could obviously really turn around quickly. His PSA 10 base prism rookie cards are going for around $350 as of this recording. Not recommending him as a buy, but depending on what happens this summer, that could really change. All right, let's change focus here. Enough with Philadelphia. Let's stay out east, though, and go to a much happier squad that belongs to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, really just one of the best and deepest teams in the NBA right now. They lost the best all-around player in basketball in Kawhi Leonard last year, and they barely even skipped a step. Of course, any Canadian will tell you that they've been ignored all season, and I think that's generally got some truth to it. And it might just be my impression, but it really feels like they've still been flying under the radar during the first round of these playoffs. Although that's probably because they were playing against a very lackluster Brooklyn Nets team. 
they swept them while only appearing in primetime once. That was in the 150-point performance just Sunday evening, which is yesterday. It's Monday as I'm recording this. A number of good player performances. Siakam was his usual solid self on both ends of the floor, although the shooting was a little bit off. But he ended the series with 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. Only shot 42% from the field and 29% from three. Law of averages says you gotta expect both of those numbers to bounce back up moving forward. Fred Van Fleet returned to being the best shooter alive in the playoffs. Uh, he hit 56% of his threes and 53% of all of his field goal attempts. Went for 21 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists, and a steal and a half. Law of averages says those percentages should drop, but... We found that the law of averages does not apply to playoff Fred Van Fleet. Now, the Raptors being overlooked thus far is not going to last any longer because the next series is against the Boston Celtics. That should be the best playoff series of the next round, and it's certain to get a ton of national attention. This is a good Celtics team, but I do expect the Raptors to ultimately win the series. Boston did take the season series at three games to one, but Siakam did only appear in two of those games. A full-strength Raptors team, assuming that Kyle Lowry comes back soon from that bum ankle, probably going to be a little bit too much for the Celtics over the course of a seven-game series, in my opinion. If that's the case, I think a guy like Siakam could see this playoff bubble boost that we've seen with some of these other players. His PSA 10 Prism base rookie cards are going for around $800 lately, and a high-profile series victory over the Celtics could certainly give that a quick boost. Ananobi, Terrence Davis, those are some of the other players that could clearly benefit. Uh, Terrence Davis is one of those chosen few that received a Prism update card in the newest Chronicles release. Again, Panini Chronicles is just another Panini set release, but in the set, they did a special print run that they did for the first time. They're calling it Prism Update, basically just getting some of the originally overlooked rookies and then high-profile free agent acquisitions new Prism cards, either to get them a Prism rookie card, like in Terrence Davis's case, or a card in their new jersey, like with Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis. Terrence Davis was one of the best rookies in the NBA after going undrafted. His Prism Update base rookies going for around $30, and some of his Silver Update rookies have gone for around $175 or so. I wouldn't expect him to get over 20 minutes a game, most likely, over the next series. Uh, so not an urgent buy, in my opinion, but a generally nice player moving forward. Of course, all the same rules apply to the other side of the ball. The Celtics in the high-profile series should benefit as well, primarily between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Tatum's base prison PSA 10 graded rookies are auctioning around $1,000 at the moment. Jalen Brown's are just about half of that, going for a little over $500 at the moment. And that could all change in a hurry if the Celtics win the series. But both of them, you know, still really good long-term investments, even if they do lose this time around to the Raptors. Last up, before our interview with Summertime Cards, uh, we got to talk about Donovan Mitchell. He's led the Jazz to a 3-1 series lead over the Nuggets, averaging an astonishing 40 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists, while shooting 56% from the field and 51% from deep. Definitely taken a leap since the NBA layoff, and his profile as a player has seen a rapid rise as well. You know, he's always been the guy who can score ever since his rookie year, but the question was always whether he could actually make his teammates better or whether he was just kind of a chucker out there. Well, he certainly raised the overall quality of this Jazz team of late. Uh, a true shooting percentage of 74% will definitely make any team look good. Offensive rating of 147, uh, 147 when he's on the court. Still a poor defensive rating, 126, but clearly a good overall net rating through the playoffs so far. The shooting isn't going to stay there long term, but he's currently clearly feeling it. 
I wouldn't bet against him continuing this hot streak at least into the next round, assuming they finish off this series against the Nuggets. The Nuggets are very ill-equipped to face him. Missing Will Barton and Gary Harris removes two of the better Nuggets perimeter defenders that can match up against a guy like Mitchell. And so Mitchell has absolutely feasted. It should be no surprise to us. Depending on what happens in the Clippers-Mavericks series, a matchup against the Clippers might bring him back down to earth, especially if Patrick Beverly returns to health. You know, but these playoffs have really just put Mitchell on you know, the center stage nationally. Assuming he continues to score like he always has, that attention is just going to continue right being there right on into next season, which means that the market will continue to follow him. His PSA 10 base prism rookie cards are going just a bit north of Jalen Brown's at the moment, most recently going on accepted offers at $570, which is just a 50% increase over the past couple of weeks. Even as the shooting inevitably cools, he's still going to be a good investment moving forward. Now, just an incredibly gifted score, both as a shooter, creating his own shots, as well as a, a very under-controlled driver, and he's really raised his assist percentage over the past month, and I expect those improvements to continue. Uh, good stuff coming out of the Donovan Mitchell camp. All right, uh, let's get summertime cards in here, and we're going to talk some more playoff basketball. All right, guys, I'm here with Anthony over at Summertime Cards. You can follow him on Instagram, and it's right there, at Summertime Cards. Uh, Anthony, I already know a little bit about you from having traded DMs with you over the past several months, but why don't you uh, tell the listeners uh, who you are, what your background in, in NBA is, and, and uh, what you've been going on lately. Yep. Okay. So thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be on the on the show. I've always watched all these episodes from the beginning. Um, but a little background of myself. I've been uh, wagering on sports my since I was 17 years old. I'm 33 now. So for 16 years, I've been doing it professionally for the better half of the last uh, 12 years. Um, when coronavirus hit, though, I was trying to think of ways to... Um, you know, make a little bit of money. And I was doing pretty well with sports cards uh, while the NBA season was going on. I was like mixing it because I've always been into sports cards. It's something that I've always uh, had a passion for. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it was kind of like by accident. I went to the National um, last year and I just bought a couple of cards that I liked. I bought a, a Luka Doncic 2018 Prism PSA 10 and a pa Patrick Mahomes 2017 Prism PSA 10. Um, just because I liked it, uh, I had a partner who lived in Chicago. So I visited, I went to the National, got those. I saw the incredible explosion in value. I then was picking up stuff here and there of players that I like, um, Trey Young being one of them, saw the incredible gains that that was making, decided that, you know, this could be something very lucrative, something that I enjoy doing. I do collect. This is not all just about turning sure. a profit. So there's a lot of stuff that I keep. Um but yeah, during coronavirus, there was no, nothing, there was no games. I couldn't wager on anything. So I started really getting into sports cards and um, I kind of just like fell into it and have been uh, doing it now for like four months, like pretty seriously buying a lot. Well, you certainly picked a good time to get into it. You know, you've seen this explosion yeah, uh, yeah over the past six months and uh, I'm sure you yeah, I know from following you on Instagram and seeing what you've been getting and the flips you've been making, you've yeah. been doing good. So congratulations on all that. Thanks. Uh, so I know you you watch a lot of NBA, you know, like I do, and uh, we've been having a ton of exciting games lately. Obviously, the the biggest storyline of the past, well, over the past twenty four hours, but over the past week has been uh, Luka Doncic. Uh, what's what's been your read on this whole thing? I mean, I think we're 
probably around the country all in the same boat on Luca. But you know, what's your what's your take then? I mean, he's amazing. Um, he's just one one of the best young talents that we've ever seen. It's just uh, undeniable. He was the MVP of the the European league he played in, which to win MVP of that league at that age is is almost impossible. Like yeah. I think the the youngest guy before that was like in his mid twenties, and he did it at I think nineteen years old. Yeah. And he's playing with grown men. A lot of guys who have already played in the NBA, they know all the little tricks of you know just playing basketball. And Luca went in there, won uh won MVP, comes into the NBA, wins Rookie of the Year, and he's just continued on that upward trajectory. And it you know culminated yesterday with that game winner against the the Clippers and. That's just incredible because the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, to have one of the best, you know, wing defenses that right. we've seen. And yeah, they, it should be Taylor made to stop him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, yeah. you think that, but also some you got to give uh, some of the blame to Rivers because there's been a couple of situations where Reggie Jackson's been covering him for I think too long of a stretches. Right. And me personally, I would have Paul George or Kawhi on him from the beginning so that you slow him down so he doesn't start out good. Right. But I don't know. Coaches don't really do that. I guess they want Paul George and Kawhi not to maybe exert too much energy on that side of the, of the ball. But I think it's important because this Dallas Mavericks offense, a lot, a lot of people don't know, this is the best offense in the history of, of basketball right. in terms of statistics. Strictly statistically right. speaking, they are the best offensive team. So imagine even that team with Durant, Curry, and Clay. these guys are putting up more uh, points per possession than they did. So I really feel like you gotta you got to try to get Luka – off from the beginning, and I think it gives you a better chance to win. So some of the blame on on Doc for that, but he, yeah, he he's just he's incredible. He's going to be. I think he's going to win MVP next year for sure. Yep. Um, he just does so much. Also, media loves giving MVP to a guy who hasn't won it yet, rather than give it to a guy who's won it a bunch. Like Giannis will probably have the same exact stats next year, and I still think they'll give it to Luca. Yeah, they you know they get voter burnout on these guys, and yeah, two, a two time winner. You know, LeBron's kind of the rare case to win it more than twice you know but most right. guys it's like once or twice and then the whole nation kind of moves on including the sports writers and you know that's no knock against Giannis, but uh that's just the way it is but yeah i think you're right you know, luca it's what we're seeing from him at 21 years old it's just we haven't seen that before even lebron when he was 21 i mean lebron obviously at 21 was extremely special um but luca is it's almost like he's a full-fledged score right now it's like it's like he's at the you know the final evolution of his game but he's only 21 and i assume a lot more is going to come uh he still has room to grow with you know some of the shooting but you know he's a 32 percent, i think a 32 percent shooter from deep and teams are still covering him 33 feet out because they know he's so dangerous with the ball wherever he's at both Mm -hmm. as a creator and a scorer but Yeah. yeah you know coming over you know getting that early um, experience in the European League where, uh, I mean, guys, guys usually don't even get playing time before they're 20, much right. less win MVP of the league over there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like going back to the draft stuff right now, we've been having all this, you know, retconning of, of the uh, <laughs> everyone's draft opinions of him. And, you know, for me, it's like when I follow drafts, I just scout the scouting reports. So, you know, I don't actually watch these guys. I certainly wasn't watching a ton of Luca tape, but it's like at the time I was like, yeah, I mean, could be good. But I wouldn't. I wasn't expecting two years in to be a top five NBA player, and then no. he's a top five NBA player, right? I mean, top top five to eight, but he's certainly probably no, right. He's, there. Top, five. Top, five. he's yeah. top five. He's top five for sure. I mean, he though he impacts the game in so so many ways. There's not many guys 
that impact the, the game. And he did it yesterday on a bum ankle. Yeah, he was, right. and people were saying, like, is he going to play the rest of the playoffs? Then the opposite happened. He ended up playing, and Porzingis didn't play. Yep. And he still was able to put the team on his back against a dang good uh, Clippers team. It was quite – yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, you know, one of the fun things about his game is he does not need that athleticism. So it's mm-hmm. like having yeah. – being on one ankle, it's – Scoring 43 points is not out of the question for him. It's like when he came into the draft, that was one of the huge knocks. Is just he's not athletic. He's not going to be fast enough. He's not going to be able to get by these guys. But he's just yeah. so crafty, and there's so many different ways that he can score. And 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 he's really actually very physical. He was very strong. He, and he uh, there was the one where he like threw his shoulder into Kawhi and knocked him back, and Kawhi kind of looked like you know a little like shocked that that happened. Yeah. And, you know that's the type of game that he has. He um one more thing on on Luca, everything he's doing now he'll be able to do when he's thirty four years old, right. which is really scary because a guy like LeBron, you see, he's not able to do the things that made him a great player at you know twenty one years old. Whereas Luca will be able to do everything he's doing now at a at a late age. So man, his career is going to be something something to watch. Yeah, and he's obviously been one of those guys whose card market is you know absolutely exploded to this point, but. <laughs> It is not out of the question that he's one of the top 10 players ever, you know, when it's all said and done. He's on that trajectory, you know, that LeBron, you know, type of trajectory, you know, the Larry Bird type of trajectory where, uh, you know, know, we see with LeBron year 16 or whatever he's in, any LeBron card you hit still has a ton of value to it. And I think that's where we're at with Luca. You know, I always talk in terms of rookie cards, but with Luca, you're going to be able to get second year cards, your third year cards, and still yeah. turn a nice profit over the over yeah. the coming decade. Um, I, I expect him to stay in Dallas probably long term. They're really good with their players down there, and uh, um, he seems to really like it there. So, you know, tons of investment potential for him moving forward. Most of you probably don't have a, a rookie of his, and even if you don't, I don't think you missed the boat. You know, still plenty of opportunity moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk Nuggets. This is a team that you and I both like, or at least we like a number of players on these teams. Yeah. Uh, currently down 3-1 to the Jazz. I just got done talking about Donovan Mitchell. By the way, as an aside, we're recording this on a Monday, so it's going to come out on Tuesday. Some of the stuff we say might be dated by Tuesday. For instance, just 20 minutes ago, I finished recording my segment of the show. I said, by tomorrow, maybe Brett Brown will be fired. Well, that happened like 15 minutes ago now. So that's already dated, but I'm not going to go back and re-record it. So sorry about that. But just want to throw that in there. This is Monday. Anything we say could potentially change, but you know that's just kind of how this stuff goes. Um, so let's talk Jazz Nuggets. Jazz currently leading 3-1 in the series. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has looked like, again, you know, one of the best scorers on earth over the past four games. He's averaging 40 points per game right now. A ton of this falls on the, you know, at the feet of the Nuggets and, you know, some of the disappointing defense that we've seen out of them. Really no defense at all. Uh, what, have, what have you seen from them? And, and I think we'll talk in particular about a couple different players, but I'll give yeah. you the floor. I mean, they, they just don't have a lot of good defensive players. It's just that simple. Like Jokic is, is not known for their uh, for his defense. Right. Um, they were starting Michael Porter Jr. He's a rookie and he hasn't started all year. And they kind of just spring him into the starting lineup in the playoffs and expect him to be able to really pick up all, you know, the defensive schemes and just the thing, the things people are throwing at him in the playoffs. And it's just unrealistic. And he, he's not a, a great defensive player yet you know he's 
you know, probably gonna have to work at it just to become decent. But that, you know, that that takes time. And you know, Jamal Murray not a great defensive player. Uh, Gary Harris is probably one of their better defensive players, and he's uh, been out um, for the most part. So it's just, yeah, it's not too surprising. They're they're kind of getting exposed on on that end of the basketball, and they can't really do much about it. And Utah's got a really a team with like a good amount of veterans, even though Donovan Mitchell, he's been in the league now for it's his third season. But they, you know, Gobert, the that core has been together now for a little bit of Ingles, Gobert, yep. um, Royce O'Neal, and uh, and Mitchell. And they threw in Conley, who he's the kind of guy who's gonna kind of fit in easier yeah. than, than most because he's been in the league so long too. So right. yeah, they're just kind of ex- ex- exposing uh, Denver's weaknesses on defense and, and they have a lot. Yeah, really yeah, it really hurts Denver, particularly against Mitchell, to not have like Will Barton or Gary Harris. And, yeah. and Gary Harris's best years are behind him, but he's still a good, impactful defensive player. And and Will Barton's he's good on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, series would look a lot different if the Nuggets had a competent wing out there at the moment and they just yeah, really don't have that. Uh Michael Porter Jr., you know, you mentioned him. He he was getting targeted. Yeah. You know, he they were they were attacking him in particular. They knew that he wasn't going to be stopping anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know there was there's been a ton of building hype behind him, and and I know that you and I both really believe in that hype. Um, I think it wouldn't be a huge surprise if we saw a cooling off period on him, just reputationally yeah. due to the way he's been exposed these these playoffs against the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel like he looks moving forward? Are you cooling off on him, or are you just as high on him as as ever? No, I'm just as high. If if anything, I'm actually higher on him just because he came into the starting lineup. And sometimes when a guy comes to he, he's known for his offense. He's a scorer. That's what he is. The fact he's not good on defense, that means nothing to me. Stephen Curry wasn't good on defense. He's going straight to the Hall of Fame. He won MVP. You know, James Harden straight to the Hall of Fame uh, playing no defense, those guys. So the fact he's not so great on defense, that really doesn't bother me. I actually think he's going to end up being okay on defense just because of his length. When you're seven feet tall – it helps you a lot with that length. You know, Kevin Durant wasn't the greatest defender, but his length, you know, over the years, he got a lot better. And actually now I thought he was one of the best defenders. Um, I, I still think he's one of the best defenders. Right. So with Porter, he came into a starting lineup and was scoring at will in a lot of those, in a lot of these games before the playoffs. Um, I think in the playoffs, he had one real, real good game with 20 plus. Um, so no, I think that this guy's a rookie. People, I don't know what people are, are, are really expecting uh, from him, but he's shown so many, you know, flashes and, and great games that I've seen enough. I'm, I'm, I'm more convinced than ever that he's going to be the, you know, a big part of that team. And next year he's going to start. I know that people are going to think, oh, they just sent him to the bench. Like, that's it. They tried it. It didn't work. But no, I think next year for sure he's going to start because Millsap's contract expires and I do not see them resigning him. And they, they, Porter's too much of a talent not not to have in. They're gonna just have to work around, you know, his his uh defensive uh flaws. And I and I think that they will, and I think he'll get better. And yeah, he's he's one of the I think he's gonna be one of the best scorers in a couple of years. Yeah, you know, funny you mentioned Kevin Durant and I you keep hearing these that comparison getting thrown around for him and but it's just the way he scores and the way he shoots it and his yeah. approach to the offensive side of the ball is really so reminiscent of of Kevin Durant and it's like I mean he's so young 
he grew up watching Kevin Durant. I wouldn't be surprised if he was going out in the driveway and recreating his shots and going on YouTube and, yeah. and checking out every Kevin Durant highlight and taking notes. You know, that's just the type of offensive scorer he is. And, and yeah, you, it's his second year in the league. It's really his rookie season. And really he, he barely had any time, you know, this season to really get acclimated. And that's kind of Mike Malone's uh, coaching philosophy is he doesn't just hand minutes to rookies. Uh, he really kind of makes them earn it on the defensive side of the ball. Well, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't going to be doing that. Some of the injuries maybe kind of helped get him all this extra playing time in the playoffs that we've seen. Um, so that's been great. It's not a huge surprise that he's been struggling on defense. Most rookies yeah. do, especially in the situation that he's in. Um, but yeah, moving forward, you know, what are the Nuggets going to do? It's their three cornerstones, and you know, Murray, uh, Murray's been looking really good. Um, Obviously, MPJ and Jokic, hopefully they're both there long-term together. I think I think that's a good core. They're going to need to find some defense, you know, at the shooting guard position, at the uh, at the power four positions. Like, if they could somehow get Drew Holiday onto that team, you know, that would really help things out. I don't – you know, there's, there's different players that you could plug in that would fit really nicely. Uh, they're just going to have to figure that out. But I, I'm really hoping that they don't – look to trade Michael Porter Jr. this offseason. Um, I keep hearing him thrown around in 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 all these talks, um, like, oh, Bradley Beal for Michael Porter Jr., you know, different things like that. And it's like, I, I just hope they don't do that. I hope they keep this core and see what happens. And, and really, the Nuggets have generally been, you know, pretty reticent to uh, trade anyone. You know, they generally just compile all these assets and then just keep them and then let them deteriorate in value. Um, so I would expect that to continue and um, – I still think the future of this team looks good and, you know, minor setback for a major comeback. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I think that, um, I don't, I don't think they're going to trade Michael Porter Jr. A guy who's like, he's got a seven foot three wingspan. It's just so hard to replace him. Uh, Beal's good, but Beal is so much older. He's like almost right. what, like 10 years older than him. Like that would be really, really foolish of them to do. I mean, maybe if they were like so close to winning a title and getting a guy like Beal could be like the piece that gets you there. But He's not. So I think that, you know, that yeah, I don't see them making that move. If anything, they'd get rid of one of the, you know, Murray or Jokic, I think, even before Porter, like blow it up rather than trade Porter for uh, Beal. I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So if everyone else starts panicking and cutting loose on Michael Porter Jr. and his prices start to plummet here, you know, heading into the offseason, you still think he's a good buy? Oh, yeah. I'll All be right. buying him. I think that what's going to happen is in the uh, in the offseason, his prices are going to dip for sure, especially since they benched him. Right. Um, and then as the next season starts, I think that they'll be chatter. They'll be asking, hey, you know, what's the deal with Michael Porter Jr.? You guys, are you still going to bring him off the bench? And I think they're going to uh, stick with him and they're going to say he's going to start. And then everyone's going to realize, oh, wow. And some of those games that guy started in the bubble, that guy was killing it, you know? They'll right. go back, realize that. I think he had the biggest increase in points per game um, in those games going into the the playoffs of anyone by by like a lot. Um, and I think people will will recall that and realize, man, this guy might average like twenty points per game. That's a huge increase from the I think like eight points per game he averaged this year. And, and they'll be back back on him. He's just such a the hobby loves guys like that, seven foot right. guys who can shoot, who can score uh, in a variety of ways. So I don't I think they'll be right back on him just like they were when he was hot. You know. A yep. week or so. And can score in bulk too. And I, I think yeah. he's clearly a bulk scorer. Like even in limited minutes, he was putting up 20 whatever points. You know, it's yeah. almost a point per minute average or something like that. So it's like he's going to be good. 
Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about teams in the bubble, in the playoffs. Uh, let's shift our focus outside of the bubble. I always get questions like, you know, who's, who's an under, who's an underrated guy right now that people aren't thinking about anymore just because of the, the bubble situation. Um, I know you're always thinking about, you know, guys that no one's currently looking at. Do you have anyone in mind as, you know, a current buy that, you know, maybe people have cooled off on just because of the, the lack of news about him? So this guy, he was in the bubble, but they didn't make the playoffs. Yep. I'm really big on Brandon Ingram. Yep. In the last 34 years, only 11 guys have averaged 20 prior to this season. Only 11 guys have averaged 24 points per game at 22 years or younger. And the list is just filled with Hall of Famers. It's Jordan, Shaq, Kobe, Carmelo, Durant, uh, Anthony Davis, uh, Derek Rose won MVP, and Townsend Booker, who, you know, if they continue on their trajectory, they'll probably make the Hall of Fame as well. Right. And I, I don't think anybody, if I read you that list, nobody would throw Ingram as like the guy, but he's he is in there. Um, seven foot three wingspan. Durant also really respects him. He tweets about him all the time right. because he does get the the comparisons. I but when, I think that when when Durant himself is kind of like saying, "Yeah, this is the guy," I think that means a lot. You know, I think Durant has a crazy high basketball IQ, and he doesn't. He rarely ever shouts out players like like that. So I think it means a lot. Um, he, this year, one of the big things he wants to work on was his three point shooting, and he was a thirty nine percent three point shooter this year. On, vo on good volume, too. It was like oh, yeah. seven or eight threes per game, I think. Right. So usually when a guy starts shooting more threes, that means he's being a little bit less selective, which means right. usually they're going to make less. He was able to shoot a higher volume and still increase his three-point percentage drastically. Yeah. And sometimes guys could have a hot year, but his free throws also increase from 67% to 85%. Right. But the only way that happens is with a lot, a lot of repetition and hard work. Yep. And JJ Reddick said it on his podcast recently with Damian Lillard. He says that yep. no one works as hard as Brandon Ingram, that he doesn't want to be good. He doesn't want to be great. He wants to be all time. And I think you've been seeing it. He went from 16 points per game a couple of years ago to 18 points per game and now to 24, uh, 24 points per game. And I think that next year he makes one more leap. Now he's a complete megastar. And uh, I, I think he will. He can slash. He's good in the post. He's good in transition. He can handle the ball runs the floor, creates off the dribble. You can count on him to get hit game winners because he can always get a good shot off. He's a way better passer than, than people think. If you watch him, there's a lot of games where he'll have a smaller defender on him and he'll get into the post and the other team kind of freaks out because they know this guy can just score right over him and sometimes they'll double and he's, he's a willing passer. And, you know, I just think that he's cheap because he got when, – when a guy is on a team and then gets traded and a team like the Lakers who have so many fans – Yep. A lot of times that causes the, the prices to dip, and that's what you saw with uh, Brandon Ingram. Also, his rise kind of has been maybe a little slower than people wanted because he was a rookie in 2016. But, again, he's still only 22 years old. Right. And I think that, um, you know, this guy is is just a stud. I, I think that he's going to be one of the best scorers as well for a, a long time. He's, very, he's just very hard to defend. In the playoffs, I feel like, he'll exceed expectations too because a guy he's like the perfect guy for the playoffs yeah so guys they need to be spoon fed the ball uh like let's say like a chris middleton for instance you can't just give chris middleton the ball and say hey go get me a bucket right a lot of times he needs to get it in the flow of the offense they have to run a play for him which when teams they know all your plays you're running in your playoffs it's much harder to score in that way whereas Brandon ingram can kind of create uh on the fly he's more creative in a 
in, in that manner. And his prices have dipped. Uh, his prism at one point during he had a hot, uh, he did have a couple of good games um, in the bubble, and his prices kind of spiked up to 80 bucks for his prism rookie. Right. And now they're down under 50. And when football starts, I promise those prices are going to be even less. Yep. Well, the last day was $47. Once Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes get going, all attention is going to be there. And Brandon Ingram is going to be forgotten. I think those prices will keep dipping as well as his. I also like his um, Prism Mosaic uh, from 2016. It was at $50 plus um, not too long ago. Now that they're no longer in the playoffs, the last sale was $29. If that starts to get to $20, that's that's a great, great buy. Great buy, yeah. As, as PSA 10s, the, the Trey Young, obviously the Luka Doncic, um, who else? Uh, Pascal Siakam, they do big money. Um, so I think those are 20 bucks of Brandon Ingram. Like that's, I think a great buy. And then for you, if you know, an even cheaper option than that is just second year silvers. You're looking at second year silvers of some of these guys, um, Trey young trading for, I think almost 500 one Michael Porter jr. Did like five or 600 recently second year silver when he got hot. Um, right. Luke is doing over a thousand second year silver. Uh, Brandon Ingram second year silver is under $5 right now. Um, it's from 2017, obviously, and I think that's a, another really good buy. If he starts to get hot and his Prism Silvers 2016 that are very rare, very hard to find in good condition, they'll start trading very high. I think that the second year silver, you know, you've seen it with other players, will also start to rise. And for under five bucks, I feel like it's a very, very, you know, low cost, low risk uh, way to get in on the Brandon Ingram market if you like him. Yeah, he's an interesting case study in the way that you know, just kind of the situation that they're placed in affects their overall market value. And it's like when he was drafted by the Lakers, he was being dubbed as the next Kevin Durant. And, you know, he was, he was a good scorer in college. A lot of it might've had to do with like his body style because he's built very similarly to Kevin Durant. Uh, No one should come out of the draft, you know, before they even put on an NBA uniform to be compared to, you know, a top five player in the league. It's just, it happens all the time. They're just, but it's unfair to the player. And obviously you got those built up expectations, never really left up to them, uh, especially in Los Angeles. And that just kind of just drug down his value. Then you had Lonzo Ball get drafted and and he didn't live up to it. He had some really, really bad underperforming Lakers teams. And all of this, just this, it just has this cumulative effect on some of these good young guys in and just lowering their overall profile as far as the national stage uh, goes. Then you have LeBron James coming. What's that? Kuzma as well. Like those three guys were kind of all put together, and that team was just not winning as well. That was another big thing because his stats weren't bad. I mean, he still was putting up, you know, scoring on over 20 on a lot of nights, and for such a young player, that's a big deal. But they they weren't even close to winning because they had all these young players. It was just a mess. Yep. Um, Then you have have LeBron come in, and it's like – None of those guys were living up to his standard, and and clearly he gave the okay on which players he he was okay with them shipping out, and Brandon Ingram was one of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, come, coming to New Orleans, and it's obviously a much smaller fan base, and that's not a knock on the crowd down there, but you know, compared to Los Angeles. But yeah, the dude's just balled out this year, and yeah. and then here this year, I think it's been his market's been hurt a little bit by the presence of Zion just being you know that much more of exciting as you know the newest greatest thing, and, and I think Zion has a great future ahead of him too. Um, but it's definitely taken a little dent out of Brandon Ingram's uh, career or his uh, overall value. I think if they keep them both long term, you know, they're both still super super young. There's a ton of room to grow together we saw brandon Ingram make some important adjustments especially as zion came back um you know i think this team 
it has a lot of uh, potential together. But even if they let him walk and he goes somewhere else and he goes to a bigger market, he's still going to have that, you know, alpha dog score mentality. He's going to be efficient from everywhere. Uh, and I, yeah, I think generally moving forward, he's still a great investment. And, you know, looking in some of those other areas, then, then just like the prism rookie or the prism silver rookie, it, it's a, it's a great opportunity for anyone that's interested in buying a maybe current, uh, currently undervalued type of player. Yeah. I, I also think that I do think that the Zion in a way, maybe this year it hurt him a little bit, but I think that there will be so much excitement surrounding that New Orleans team as a whole, just because no one thought they would even be in, in the bubble or contending right. for the playoffs. And they did. And they, they just their expectations are such that I think they can actually meet them next year. Sometimes teams get unrealistic expectations, whereas with New Orleans making the playoffs is something that they can um, I think they can do next year. And I think that, you know, also Zion prices will be crazy high. So if you want to get in on the new, you know, the, the hot new New Orleans team, I think Brandon Ingram might benefit from that as well. You know, because you're talking probably Zion will be back selling for two hundred dollars as prism once the season starts, and Ingram will be a, uh, a quarter of the price. So right. I, I still think that in a way Zion could, could help his prices to an extent, and it helps that Zion probably won't be hitting the game winners on that team. It will always be Ingram. Right. Uh, yep. Being the go-to guy at the end of the game, so that'll help. You know, Zion will have the the crazy big stat line, and Ingram might score a little bit less, but he may hit the you know the big key clutch shots, and and that matters. And the hobby takes note of those things. Yeah, I certainly think you know whoever the one is hitting the buzzer beater on Sports Center in the morning, you know, yeah, that's the guy that a pretty large you know percentage of investors are going to be seeing. So yeah, I think he's positioned great, and uh, and hopefully moving forward they continue to grow together and. It's, you know, a lot of good things coming out of New Orleans. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Anthony. It's been a pleasure to host you today. I uh, hope we can do this again sometime. Uh, thanks to the rest of you for tuning in today. I turned into probably a little bit long of an episode, but had a lot of good content, and uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. And uh, as always, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Okay. Thanks for having me.